believe in the magic. It's true. Believe you can fly. <laughs> Today is Saturday, August 8th, ARSH 2020, and this is episode 119 of the Barnhart Podcast. And as you can tell, since it's me doing the intro, we've got a little bit of a different format for episode 119, and this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, you know, call this call this bellying up to the Barnhart. Call this um, conversations, Barnhart conversations, you know. Um, we've got a, a longtime listener to the podcast who's been, um, you know, a correspondent and sending in lots of extraordinarily interesting and and timely and relevant information about the entire Corona cold scam situation. And I said, you know what, it's time that we should start doing these um, where we have guests and we just have a conversation. So, dear listenership, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Nurse Claire, who is with us today. And Nurse Claire, um, I'll let her go through her CV, but just, just very briefly, she is, as I said, a nurse in a very large American city with a metropolitan population in excess of one million souls east of the Mississippi River. And we're absolutely delighted. And thank you so much for coming and doing this. We've been talking about this for quite a while, and now we're we're finally making it happen. So welcome, welcome, Nurse Claire. Good morning, Anne, and welcome to week 21 of 14 days to flatten the curve. Well huh? said, well said. Right? <laughs> the never the never ending two weeks, yes, indeed. Right. So um my reason for wanting to do this was to help you get the word out there that we are being played. I think I, I'm sure a lot of your readership and listenership recognizes that, but giving people some solid concrete information that they can disseminate to the um non-believers, I guess we would call them. I don't, the what, are, what are we, uh, demi, dimmies, we're dimmies, the dimmies. Yes. We, we need to put, uh, tools in the hands of people that they can actually dispense red pills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So instead of listening to, you know, the likes of me talk about medical issues, why don't you just run down your your CV for the listenership so that they know that they're listening to an extraordinarily serious person? Well, okay. So uh, I graduated undergraduate nursing school in 1997. Um, After that, I spent about six years in a critical care setting. Um, In 2003, I returned to grad school for nurse anesthesia, and I finished my master's degree in 2005 and have been working in an operating room as an anesthetist ever since. So uh, I am not an academic I am not a lab rat researcher. My experience is solely in the clinical setting. Wow, um, a- actual human beings. Correct. Wow, that, that's crazy. That's crazy. Isn't it yeah. true that Fa- Fauci has not seen a patient in like I, 25 or 30 years? Yep, that's my understanding that this guy who is literally ruling our lives, Mm -hmm. um, has not touched a patient in a very long time, Mm -hmm. decades is Mm -hmm. my understanding. So yes. 
So I'm coming at you from a, a purely clinical um, viewpoint. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't one of your primary jobs as a nurse anesthetist intubating people and doing all yep. this ventilation stuff that yes. we've heard so much about? Yes. So um, in March, when our hospital was preparing for the, the big deluge of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I actually got furloughed a little bit. Um, but anyway, because, you know, we were so busy that yeah. I, I was sent home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so part of the protocols that were put into place based on um, what Italy was experiencing and what was coming out of, of Europe and, and Wuhan, I don't, I don't I don't know why anybody would ever base anything we do on what the Chinese are doing. But anyway, well, that's, the thing, that's the thing with China is that they are such a bunch of liars and it is absolutely endemic to their culture. You know, they're I mean, these these are pagan people and a lot of them are atheist communists by now. Yes. Telling the truth is not any sort of a it's, of a limitation on the Chinese culture. Even, yeah, so it's the, not even on their radar. We have absolutely no idea what the hell went on over there. I mean, we saw the videos of them of them welding people into their apartments. Do I believe that the Chinese Communist Party is capable of just randomly welding completely innocent people into their apartments just for the show of it? Yes, I do. I do. I believe that they are completely capable of that. I don't know if they did or not. I don't know if if a few people died or I don't know if a bunch of people died and they were burning people in hog incinerators. That rumor was going around. Right. We, the, the fact of the matter, we have no idea what the hell even happened over there. Right. So, yeah, that, that's my little soapbox on the chat. Go no, ahead. I, mm. I'm, I'm totally, totally in agreement. Um, so one of the things that our hospital decided to do, and I work, the hospital I work in is part of a multi-hospital system. So our system decided that the anesthesia providers would be responsible to going to the ICU and intubating the COVID positive people that needed to be put on ventilators. So yes, that was my job. So um, I've got all of the PPE experience. I can tell you about fit testing and 95s and wearing uh, the hoods, the, the vented hoods that we call pappers over our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, all, of the, all of the protective mechanisms that we put into place. Um, well, I first, share my firsthand experience. So. The first thing I want to attack is your eyewitness testimony of just the numbers of human beings and how many people you saw and this whole narrative about um, hospitals being packed to overflowing and people dying in the hallways where when you could clearly even just get on, you know, the publicly visible aspect of Twitter and type in Corona or COVID or whatever, and there'll just be video after video after video of completely empty, empty. deserted hospitals. What Correct. was your eyewitness experience of this in a major hospital in a major American city east of the east of the Mississippi River? Uh Okay, so, and I'll, I'll preface all of this by saying the hospital that I worked in was considered the hotspot for our city. Okay, good. So <laughs> Even my, better. My, yeah, my hospital um, 
had the largest number of COVID patients of all the hospitals in our city. Mm -hmm. At our height, we had 22. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, Wow. 22, you say? 22. 22. Mm -hmm. 22. Um, And... um, Sorry. That's Did no that problem. You're, you're very popular. <laughs> the phone that's not supposed to ring has, has indeed. This hasn't uh, even so. been published yet and people are already <laughs> calling you. <laughs> so anyway, our hospital had the largest, we were, we were the COVID hotspot okay. and uh, I was furloughed for, for, <laughs> for a period of time. We were so busy that uh, we had nurses um, employed doing things like wiping the shelves, um, mopping the floors, because oh literally there was no, no work, to do. no yeah. work. Um, and talk about how they they canceled everything else. So people who needed stuff done indeed. couldn't yeah. get it done with indeed. an empty hospital. Right. I do. I do. I do. So uh, my father um, has some pretty severe glaucoma. Um, and his ocular pressures were out of control. Um, he had had multiple surgeries to try to control that it it wasn't effective. And he had a a doctor's appointment with a very high level, high specialist, um, uh, inner city, you know, academic eye surgeon at the beginning of April. And we had been anticipating that appointment to hopefully get, um, his ocular pressure is under control. He was having systemic side effects from his eye drops, really miserable, just impact completely impacted his quality of life and his ability to even really leave his house or do any kind of work around his house. He was, he was really sick. Um, that appointment got canceled at the beginning of April due to the, the lockdown, the you know, flatten the curve and was not rescheduled until mid July. So, um, you know, and that, that is obviously not a life threatening thing, but it is a, a negative consequence of what we did. But didn't, you know? didn't, they were canceling like heart bypass and stuff Correct. like that. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. Um, I ventured down to the emergency room of my hospital during one of these shifts where, you know, we were not really doing anything. And I spoke to one of the ER nurses who said the emergency room was dead. Mm-hmm. People people were not coming in for fear of getting COVID. Right. People were sitting at home with chest pain. People were sitting at home with stroke symptoms and not seeking medical treatment because the mainstream media has whipped people into such a frenzy. And the fear and hysteria is very, very real. Yeah. Um, they were they were afraid that they if they came to the hospital, they would get COVID. And so, or get quarantined or something yeah. like, I mean, or, and their family get quarantined. I mean, it's, it was, it is, and it, this exists to this day. And I can testify to it myself. There is no way in hell I would go anywhere near a doctor's office or a hospital unless I had like, a, 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 if I were hit by a bus or something like that. And they literally had to drag my semi-conscious body to an emergency room. That is the only way I would go anywhere near any of that just because there's, 
what what the, are they gonna are they gonna quarantine you? Are they gonna are they gonna do one of these uh, language alert? Are they are they gonna do some of these bullshit tests that every one hundred percent of the tests come back positive? And I mean it's 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 absolutely insane. And from what I've heard from a lot of people, you can't get any treatment at all until you first agree to be tested for a corona scam and then the test comes back positive so i had a reader email me and say she she knows she has cardiac problems i think she's in her 70s and she was feeling you know symptomatic and so she went to the emergency room actively complaining i have this cardiac condition i am fe- i have chest pain I've been through this before. I know what this is. There is cardiac involvement here. She had to sit in the in the waiting room of the emergency room for seven hours <laughs> in an in an empty emergency room, of uh. course, wait because no one would talk to her or do anything until the the test came back. Seven yeah. hours of a person actively complaining of of cardiac involvement what in the hell what i mean they're they're trying to kill people i mean i think it's pretty clear they're trying to kill people it is at a minimum it's negligent Mm -hmm. at a minimum at a minimum and our current system-wide policy right now just for surgical patients for people who have um previously scheduled surgeries you know if you come in and it's an emergency is one thing but people who have scheduled surgeries, women who have a C-section scheduled or any kind of labor induction, you are um, encouraged, quote unquote, to be tested for COVID and 48 hours prior to entering the hospital. So some of these patients um, do decline that and our system has allowed people to decline that testing, but um, the, the treatment of those patients is becoming increasingly more hostile by hospital staff. I do know someone whose family member, um, is getting chemotherapy and their chemotherapy has been withheld until they are tested for COVID. So their, their chemotherapy, I guess the way I should phrase it is contingent upon their being tested for COVID. So every two weeks when this person needs their chemo, they have to get their COVID test first. And if they refuse to be tested for COVID, then they are denied their chemotherapy. So um, isn't it interesting that this all is moving in parallel with what's happening in the church? The church has to go underground. And I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm talking I, um, to people yes. who are who are, you know, MDs and DOs and so on and so forth. And they're saying, are we going to are we going to go underground? What, what are, are we going to end up, you know, setting up clandestine clinics? I don't people see can how. Go. Yeah, I don't see how that's not in our future. Yeah, I, I mean OBGYNs. Who in the hell wants to go and deliver a baby if th- the threat that some BS false positive test for a common seasonal cold could yes. cause your child to be taken from you? I mean, yeah. or it's just. Yeah. I think it's all well, going to go underground. The, the thing that people need to really, really focus on, I mean, we're looking at all of this, right? All of this outrageous, outlandish requirements. But the thing that people must keep in the back of their mind is that COVID itself is really, n- none of this is warranted based yep. on the severity of the, the disease that we're dealing with. Yep. I, it is so, and when you 
put it in that context, it really just blows your mind. So I'll just speak quickly to my personal experience with the seasonal flu or my professional experience. I yeah, that, say, that was my flu. next bullet bullet point. Tell us about the other serious, legit flu years within, okay, within the span so of your career. 2009 H1N1. Mm-hmm. I, that is something that I will never forget. <laughs> we literally had patients stacked up in hallways. Mm -hmm. We had people stuffed in every nook and cranny of the hospital. We had people on ECMO, um, people on ventilators. What's ECMO? ECMO ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. It is... um, That's the mask, right? The little external plastic guy? No, 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 no. No, no, no. ECMO is really the last ditch effort at saving you. So ECMO... Um, just to briefly explain, it would be basically putting someone on cardiopulmonary bypass, except when you put a patient on bypass in the operating room for heart surgery, you mm-hmm. arrest, you arrest the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, ECMO does arrest the heart. The patient's heart is still beating, but all of the blood is oxygenated outside of the body. It's run through, um, a machine that oxygenates the blood because the lungs aren't working. So um, patients on ECMO are really, really, it is an aggressive, aggressive, life-saving maneuver, much more so than even just a ventilator. How do people come out of that? Or is that at that point, do you need lung transplant? No, 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 no. The theory is, or the mechanism of action, the the patient, uh, the machine will oxygenate the Mm -hmm. blood and the lungs are rested and given time to heal. Oh, okay. um, so people can come off of ECMO, but it's a very, um, it is a legit thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's a big deal. So um, in 2009, where I was working, we actually ran out of ECMO machines and were borrowing them from faraway places. Um, at one point, I remember even hearing that they were shipping them from the UK because we were out of ECMO machines. Um. And, and even with the seasonal flu, we typically have hospitals running at full capacity. Sure. We are, we are, you know, on the computer in the operating room and there's a banner flashing above the screen, you know, for all house staff, please discharge anybody that's able to, to go home. We have patients in the operating room that were delayed taking them to the recovery room. We have to recover them in the operating room because the recovery room beds are being used to house inpatient um, flu patients. So we have had... In a year like 2009, but not this year. In, in, well, 2009 was particularly severe, but in other years too, Mm. if there's this past winter, we had a pretty... Um, pretty big flu season. I personally knew a lot of people that had the flu this past winter, mm-hmm. um, influenza A specifically. So um, we're not canceling elective surgeries. Sometimes in 2009 we were, but um, the hospital is full. Beds are occupied. The emergency room is typically overrun. We did not see that with COVID. We oh, didn't. No. We didn't. And once we resumed elective surgery and everything was, you know, physicians had their offices and their clinics open again, probably I think at the, around the beginning of May. Um, in June, we had another influx of 
influx of COVID patients, my hospital currently has 12, um, that has not impacted us really hardly at all. We mm-hmm. haven't, we haven't uh, canceled elective surgeries. We haven't run out of space for other patients. N- none of that. This is such a farce mm-hmm. that I can't even begin to put it into words. Well, I've, I, a, a statistic that, that I saw that I was never really aware of and never really thought about is that hospitals are meant to be profitable and they're built to be profitable. And that means that, like, for example, where where I lived in Denver, where suburbia is expanding and demand increases and they need to build a new hospital, h- how, big, how big do you build a hospital? The rule of thumb is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the kind of the sweet spot that they're gunning for is that... That the hospital is at all times at 85%, 85%. capacity. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah. okay, guys, when you are watching this satanic lying agitprop on TV that says, oh, oh, there's um, you know, the uh, ICU beds in Texas um, are, and they give they give a, a number, and you quickly figure out the ratio, and it's like seventy five percent, and they're acting like this is the end of the universe. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You know, um, seventeen hundred of. I don't know what it would even be. 2,100 ICU beds in the state are full or whatever. Guys, that's below optimal capacity. They c- Hospitals want to be running plus or minus around 85% because that's that's how the whole thing makes budget. money. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that, do the math. Budgeted, right. And when when it's below that, nurses are sent home or laid off. Yeah. So... Yeah. Hospitals um, are supposed to be pretty full most right. of the time. Yeah. So they're, they're just playing that. And it's, it's so conscious and it's willful. And you know that they know that they're lying. You know that they know exactly what it is that they're doing, trying to terrorize people with all of this. When the fact of the matter is, because, you know, as you know, you and I are both traditional Catholics and, you know, we don't know for sure, but it seems pretty clear that this could at least possibly be a run-up into some sort of a big supernatural um, culmination of events, shall we say, um, that everything is just turned upside down and lies are truth and truth are lies and everything they say is completely inverted. It is a manifestation of that diabolical disorientation that Mm -hmm. our lady spoke of, in, in in my opinion. Yeah, people. I don't know how anyone can say otherwise. Yeah, at this point, I mean, people cannot see what is directly in front of them, and not only that, but they are aggressive and they are becoming violent. <laughs> I mean, we see on the internet every day. Uh, there's the some Legion of Karen, the Legion, the Legion of Karen. Of Karen. Yep. Yes, yes. Yep. Uh, where I live, we have a snitch line. So if Karen goes to a store, if Karen goes to a restaurant and Karen feels threatened, she can call the local Department of Health and who has recently hired staff to go out to these places and conduct investigations and warn these businesses that they will be closed down. And the first day they rolled this out, um, the Stasi. I call them. They showed up at 60 local businesses 
So it, it's, this is a bully tactic. This is nothing to do with health, nothing to do with health. And then when we look at masks and what they actually do or don't do, you, it becomes even more apparent that this is, um, not about a virus, not. That was an extremely graceful segue, Nurse Claire. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about masks. And people are asking, well, wait a minute. If masks don't do anything, why does everybody in the operating room wear them? Do you want to go into an operating theater where nobody's wearing (laughs) a mask? I've always kind of worked under the assumption it's because human beings are kind of juicy, especially when you start cutting them them open and, and you you don't want human human effluvium like bouncing up into your mouth and also um to keep your boogers out of the opened up body is that basically it in a nutshell well that that is correct i i see these little snarky comments made on social media and these you know wise memes that people post about hey ask your surgeon you don't want your surgeon wearing a mask and blah 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 and what they're missing is that um Surgical masks are designed to prevent large droplets. So if your abdomen is filleted open and the surgeon would sneeze, mm-hmm. um, in theory, I mean, I have my own anecdotal evidence. I question that. But in theory, the large droplets will be quelled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But another reason, and people completely miss this, another reason why operating room staff wear masks is to prevent themselves from your blood and guts. You're quite literal blood and guts. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many times I've been splattered with blood that had I not had a mask on my face, I would have had blood up my nose from mm-hmm. a patient or in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is the purpose of a surgical mask. This idea that you're going to wear a mask to Walmart and protect other people and protect yourself is not based on science at all, particularly when you examine the particle size of the virus that we're talking about. Which, by the way, is basically a common seasonal cold. Gotta keep reiterating that. We're talking about this thing. I mean, we're talking about this thing as if it is just this this horrific poison, you know, and... If it is really indeed a a, a plague, a pandemic, it is not. Um, But the the virus itself, SARS-CoV-2, this virus that causes the phenomenon known now as COVID-19, that virus is 0.12 microns, mm-hmm. 0.12 microns. Um, a surgical mask cannot protect that any against something that small. A surgical mask is designed to block particles greater than five microns. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, I looked at some literature, I think I was, I was telling you before we started to record, I, there's just a mountain of studies looking at, um, cloth face coverings, which is, you know, let's be honest, people are turning this into fashion statement now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what they're really wearing are these cloth masks. Um, there's just a whole mountain of evidence to demonstrate these things do nothing do nothing. Um, and if you think that this is protecting you, then you probably believe in unicorns. Well, I, it's, it's, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point because it's magical thinking people, you know, this, this generation of people, and I'm convinced that media, video games, all of this 
unreality has really cultivated in people grown adult serious people this magical thinking that it's that it's a force field like on star trek that oh i've got a force field and as long as i have this thing on when i see the people with it slung under their well never mind under the nose but slung under their chin what the hell are you doing it's it's magical thinking they think as long as they have that damn thing slung under their chin that there's a magic force field that is protecting them and it's it's um it's also gets into the question of substitute religion you know people people want to believe in in something supernatural the problem is is they've all rejected the one true god and so now they're just they're looking for these weird substitute religious um um liturgical it's 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 for them i think it's a liturgical garment um um that's yeah. a good one. Oh, I mean, it's it's like the, it's like one. the burqa, but it's 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 absolutely a liturgical garment for them, and um, just just this magic, magical superstitious thinking that if they do this, that they that there's a force field of protection around them. This is how far gone we are, and this is what happens when you turn away from the one true religion and the one true God. Is then you 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 fall for anything absolutely anything and no matter how categorically stupid it is um and now another thing we need to talk about oh touching the masks (laughs) i said people do not keep their hands off of the damn thing they are constantly constantly fiddling with it touching it rubbing it pull it down pull it up put it back up readjust it constantly touching the damn thing now um I'm. I have no experience in the medical field, but isn't it correct that w- when you go into uh, uh, the operating theater and you're ready to go, you are not allowed basically to touch it, right? Or you just absolutely shouldn't. Well, the surgeons and the the scrub nurses who are at the surgical field and are scrubbed, they're they're wearing sterile gloves. So yeah, they don't adjust their mask and touch their mask because then they would contaminate their hands if they touched anything that Mm -hmm. wasn't sterile. Um, So wait, 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 say say that again. If they touch the mask, they would contaminate. They they have contaminated their hands. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought the mask was a magic force field. (laughs) How could it, how could your hands possibly, possibly be contaminated if the, if the mask is stopping everything or record scratch, Scooby-Doo, Shaggy. I mean, it's... uh, that that says it right there. If you touch the mask, your hands are contaminated. So right. now we've got people running around wearing basically a, a detritus and a fl- and a fluvium diaper that they are constantly pawing at. This is this is disgusting. This is absolutely disgusting. It nurse, is. nurse Claire, just making sure that I'm not going off on any rant or or tangent that I shouldn't be going on. But <laughs> I'm right there with you. Okay. So touching the mask, um, and then oh, uh, talk about CO two and oh yeah, what, what it does to you and. Yes. The countermeasures that you guys have to take. In fact, we've got um, we've got some really good links that will go in the show notes. But the thing that you sent me about 
how the air is changed in the operating theater. You guys are right. basically standing in a wind tunnel but all the time. Right. Yeah. Yes. Talk, talk, so, go, go, go. So I, I will, this is my anecdotal experience. Um, wearing a mask on my face was new to me when I entered anesthesia school. It took about two weeks for me to acclimate to that. And everybody, preceptors that I worked with all said, oh, you'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. I had a he headaches. And at the end of the day, I was very tired. So there's definitely something going on there. Um, the other interesting fact now, I noticed now, when I work in an operating room and I have a mask on, I don't feel like I'm suffocating. When I step through the threshold of the operating room door and out into the hallway, I do. Mm -hmm. Because prior to COVID, we were never allowed to wear a mask outside of the operating room. As soon as you walked out of the operating room, there's a trash bin there by the scrub sink. You take your mask off, you throw it in the trash. Oh, isn't if, that interesting? Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. If you wore your mask outside of the operating room, you know, and the nurse manager of the operating room would see you. She would admonish you and it was a big deal. And the joint commission on accreditation of hospitals would write us all up and, and give us a, you know, a, a nasty gram violation. You never wore a mask outside of an operating room. Now, let me guess. That is not only all completely stopped, but it's been completely reversed, right? It's been completely reversed. Unbelievable. You now need, you yep. now need a mask to enter the building. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, when I leave the operating room to either transport a patient to the recovery room or have a break, um, I have to wear a mask in the hallway. And that is when I noticed, wow, this feels completely different than wearing this in the operating room. And the reason for that, operating rooms have a special HVAC system um, so that the entire air inside of that room is completely turned over on an hourly basis, anywhere from 15 to 40 times per hour. Wow. So, and the thought behind that is that um, when a patient enters the operating room, before we make incision, in fact, before we even bring a patient into the OR, the instruments are all counted and laid out on a table. Mm -hmm. And that's where they remain for the duration and sometimes it can be an hour, depending on what the surgery is. Sometimes it can be several hours. Mm -hmm. So you don't want any particles in the air, any fuzzies, any dust to be settling on those instruments. Right. So the rooms are constantly turned over um, in order to bathe the room with filtered and conditioned air. So inside of the OR, there's a breeze. There's yeah. a breeze. And even we keep the temperature between 65 and 72 degrees. And I'll tell you, if I walk outside in a short sleeve shirt, like I'm wearing in the OR with scrubs mm -hmm. and it's 68 degrees outside, I'm not cold, but inside the operating room, when the thermostat is reading 68 degrees, it's really chilly. Wind it's chill. really, really cold yeah. because there's a constant, there's a current. Um, and so this idea that comparing someone walking around outside on a 90 degree day with a mask on their face and complaining that it's uncomfortable, that they're dizzy, that they're mm -hmm. short of breath 
you know, you, you see those anecdotes reported on social media. And then that person saying that is then ganged up on by a Karen who says, oh, yeah, but how come people in the operating room can wear a mask for hours and they don't feel that way? It doesn't bother your surgeon. That's the reason why yeah. we're not suffocating. And you guys, I mean, I live, the apartment that I live in right now does not have air conditioning. And so what I have to do is now that it's really, really hot, I get up in the middle of the night, I open up all the windows and I turn on fans to try to turn the air over. Guys, do you know how hard it is to turn the air over once in just in just an apartment by opening the windows and turning on fan air air kind of in a certain sense it doesn't like to move it likes to stay where it is and it the fact that they're that they are like feeling a breeze and think about that they're turning the air over in those surgery theaters over 15 15 times an hour up to 40 times an hour like almost once a minute the entire air content of the room is being completely blown out that that is just incredible and thank you so much for sending that and that link is probably going to be like the top one that we put in the show notes um absolutely fascinating and this is what is needed to rebut all of this crap on the internet about this now when you're in the in the surgery theater are you wearing just one of those standard um i call them the kleenex masks like everybody on the street is wearing are you wearing an n95 super duper well (laughs) well we are now required to wear anesthesia personnel Mm-hmm. At my at my hospital, we're required to wear an N95 because we intubate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's considered an aerosolizing procedure. And so because my face is over a patient's airway, we're being required to wear an N95. The surgeon, the nurses in the room um, do not. They wear the standard little paper yeah. surgical masks. Wow. So um, but prior, <laughs> prior to COVID, that's what I would wear. And I occasionally, depending on it, sometimes we don't intubate people for surgery. And so I don't wear the N95 because I hate it and mm-hmm. it's difficult to breathe. Um, and despite, you, did, despite the current in the OR. So if I don't have to, if I don't have an intubated patient, if I'm not intubating, I don't wear it. I wear the little, whatever you just called it, tissue. What did Kleene- you call it? Kleenex. It's Kleenex. like a Kleenex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but wasn't it you that told me that N95 isn't even antiviral? N95 was designed in terms of medical use to stop um, tuberculosis bacteria. Isn't that, it? was it yes. you that told me that? Yes. N95, 95, the N95 means that that mask has been tested to filter out 95% of particles. So it's not filtering 100%. Um, And the particle size that it's rated for, to my knowledge and understanding, based on the literature that I'm reading, is anything greater than 0.3 microns. And as we said, COVID or the coronavirus is 0.12 microns. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing people need to understand about the N95, that has to be fit tested. So going going to Home Depot, going to Lowe's and buying an N95 off the shelf to wear for yourself, you have no idea if that's protecting you Mm -hmm. because you've never been fit tested. And the fit testing, I just, I was just fit tested again this past week. The fit testing involves you putting the N95 on 
um, and the tester sticking a hood, a literal hood over your head Mm -hmm. that has a hole in it. And through that hole, the tester will put an atomizer and there is saccharin in the atomizer. And they spray this atomizer repeatedly while you nod your head up and down, turn your head side to side, and then recite um, a poem or read a paragraph that they hand to you so that you're talking. Um, And if you can smell or taste the saccharin, then the mask is leaking. It doesn't fit you. They've got to try a different brand. And I do have people, coworkers, that no brand of N95 is able to fit their face. And so they're required then, if they encounter one of these patients, to wear um, a, it's called a papper. It's a, it's a hood that covers their face. And there's a hose that connects into it that blows fresh air in and out. And it's run through a HEPA filter. So, um if you're not fit tested for an N95, you know, the true value hardware N95 is not going to do you any good. But you know what my absolute favorite is? It's the N95 worn beneath the nose. That, that <laughs> warms my heart every time I see it. And I yeah. see it quite a bit. Yeah. And those are the people, those are the people that will be, you know, cheering at, at the, at the foot of the guillotine when the time yeah. comes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, now you sent me, um, it's been a while ago, but you remember that testimony of that nurse from, where was she from? Florida, who went up, who went up to New York City, and she well, was. To- whoa, whoa, whoa! There's two. There was one from Florida, but the there was one also from Nevada. That was the long video. She oh, the video girl. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. crying. Yes. So there's there's two. So um, I mean, we know we know that New York was basically they were basically consciously trying to murder people and murdering people um but one of the things that that written testimony that you sent me talked about was um the incompetence of of the staff new interns completely green who just didn't know what to do and also um foreigners who were coming in and their education is just completely substandard and they would right. just shove them. They would just shove them into the, into the heat of this. Have you seen or experienced anything like that? Do, do you have any anecdotes about anything like that? In my hospital? No, because we were never, we were never desperate for, for staff. Um, but didn't you say that July, the new, the new July? Room? Yes. July is when the, new medical school graduates. So the medical, the person who was a student, a medical student in June, Mm -hmm. then becomes a resident physician in July. Mm -hmm. And they're basically cut loose. I mean, they're, they're turned loose into the inpatient setting. They're making rounds, they're writing orders, they're on call at night. um, And they have no experience. And some of them are incredibly, incredibly hostile to any kind of feedback from nurses with years and years, decades of experience who are trying to help educate these people and guide them. Um, and I, I've encountered that. I've encountered language barriers. Um, oh, man. Yeah, we, we yeah. I <laughs> can That's tell you stories. Inexcusable. Oh, my gosh. It is. So um, and a lot of these hospitals are incentivized 
to hire residents. They're called FMGs. They're incentivized to hire residents who are foreign medical graduates um, because the government will subsidize the salary of an FMG. So a resident who graduates from an American medical school is already at a disadvantage of, of being hired for residency because a foreign medical graduate has half their salary paid by the government. So therefore, they're cheaper for the hospital to hire. Unbelievable. And I'm I'm going to say what everybody is probably already thinking, that their education is probably deeply substandard too. Is that, is that a fair statement? That is. Yeah. You're, you're talking about people coming from a lot of third world countries. Yeah. So, yes. So like the language barrier that you see, what is mm-hmm. it? Is it from like Middle Eastern? Are they are they Arab Arabic speakers or? Yes. Yeah. Many times, many times. Yes. Oh, great. Well, fantastic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. It, it's so strange. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a certain sense, I mean, it's going to be horrible, but when we have conversations like this, it just becomes clearer and clearer and clearer every day that something's got to give. Something something has to change. This cannot go on. This simply cannot go on. And, um, you know, we're, we're going 100 miles an hour down a dead-end street right now. And the wall, the wall is, is coming up quick. And we're about to hit it. Um, if, we, if we haven't in a certain sense already. Um, but it's, it's good in a certain sense that this is coming out and things like that are going to be corrected. Good grief. <sighs> okay. What other, let's see. Um, have we hit all of my notes? Um, da, 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 da. Oh, here's one we haven't talked about. How many of your colleagues would you say have called bullshit on this, but are too <laughs> terrified to say anything? Oh, it's, that's an interesting question. Um, so I, I want to just circle while I answer that, I want to circle back around to when you talked about this mask being the new religion. Um, the And I don't disagree with you. I think what you said is absolutely spot on. However, my my other thought on similar lines, the emotionalism, the emotionalism we we are we have known for a while of the the endemic death of common sense, right? But this is such a profound manifestation of that. And I would say even among my colleagues, there's there's a definite line that I would say it's about 50-50. There's half of us who are independent thinkers and are using our God-given reason and logic and intellect to say, hmm, what we're being told doesn't quite line up with what we're seeing. So there's some bullshit going on here. There's some bullshit afoot. But then there are other people, and I'm sad to say this. I'm really sad to say this. There are a lot of nurses and physicians out there that have allowed their emotions to take over. Not good. Not good for the medical profession. No. (laughs) And I, I don't, I hate saying that, but people need to be aware. You know, we had a staff meeting on Wednesday morning. There's no patients around. There's no patients around. We're in a staff meeting. It's 6.30 in the morning. And we're in a room where the hospital has social distanced everyone by the way the furniture in the room is arranged. And we've got half our staff showing up with no mask on their face, you know, just living on the edge. 
And then other staff members showing up not only with a mask on their face, but with goggles covering their eyes. And I'm like, oh, that's Fauci. That's Fauci's new drama. It is. Yeah. Who are you hiding from? God. No one's spitting in your face. Well, yes. So (laughs) I. I No one's spitting in your face. Yes. No one's spitting in your face. No one's coughing. Um, So I can I can say there are providers that have really red pilled on this and have woken up and are totally recognizing the fact that there's some serious gamesmanship going on here, to say the least. But there are a lot of and they tend to be the younger. The younger doctors, oh, really? the younger, oh, the millennials, uh, this, this is what is changing. And we could do a whole podcast on. Oh, you have to, you that, have to elaborate on this. This is well, shocking to me. I mean, I have done this for 23 years and I will tell you from the day I graduated nursing school until now at this point in my career, I don't recognize the industry anymore because the mindset has changed and there's such a difference between us old dinosaurs and the the newbies, the millennials that are very um, politically minded. Very, I mean, they they allow their politics to cover or to to color their practice, and they're very emotional. They're very emotional. They bought into this fear and this hysteria. Okay, Just- I misheard you. I th- I thought I thought that you said that it was the younger ones who were calling bullshit on this. But that's no. no it, okay, no. okay, okay, okay. No, I stand corrected. No. I stand corrected. No. I stand yeah. corrected. No. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, it, that makes it, sense. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Sorry if I maybe I did misspeak. I don't know, but um, the younger millennial providers are really just. They've lost their minds. Sorry. Sorry. I, I don't want to stereotype people and I don't want to pigeonhole people into this, but it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, I mean, we've talked a lot on the podcast about how sin makes you stupid and that whole concept. And what's terrifying is you realize that the kids that are coming up right now that are in their early 20s, most of them have been consuming pornography for their entire since puberty, basically. Um, and that that in and of itself is absolutely terrifying because that means that they are probably to the point that their their rationality and their their brains don't think don't think properly and are not oriented to truth because they've been so immersed in mortal sin for you know mo- almost the entirety of their life uh, beyond beyond the age of reason for them and that that in and of itself is absolutely terrifying their intellect is dulled yes. and this is a colossal manifestation of it mm-hmm. that they cannot see through what is happening here yep yep um you know like i said we have 12 patients in my hospital and people are running around like their hair is on fire. I know. I, it's, you know. So, so are you, you're east of the Mississippi River. Let am, me ask yeah. you this. Are you vaguely aware of this, um, that, that drag queen guy in Pennsylvania who's, <laughs> have you been yep. following all of that? Have you been seeing all that? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> a- a- any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh. Where do I begin? Um, it, it it's so egregious to me that it is difficult to to be charitable. <laughs> I'll be honest; I, I'm struggling with that. Um, this is a person who is literally, literally mentally ill, and is controlling the destiny of 
people living in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, it's appalling. It's appalling. Unfortunately, I don't think he's the only one. I think there is a person in a similar situation. Is it Oregon? Yeah, the Oregon one. There's another one in Oregon. But I think that's um, like a city councilman or something. What is it? Okay. Yeah. So, but it, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just so over the top that it's almost like we're living in an alternative reality when you take a step back and look at the fact that this individual is making decisions regarding health, regarding health. This guy is so unhealthy himself. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. He literally believes. I I read it. I read a, someone sent me um, a statement that he released. I believe it was yesterday for breastfeeding mothers, um, his recommendations to keep your baby safe while you're breastfeeding. It was basically wants you to wear a mask while you're breastfeeding a child, which is you know, whatever. It was like insane, insane. Luciferian um, also, Luciferian, Luciferian. Also. Yeah. But at the at the in the opening paragraph of that letter that he released, he acknowledges not just breastfeeding but chest feeding. And in case you or your listeners are not aware what chest feeding is, um is the idea that a transgendered, I have to think about how I say this now because I get these confused, a woman who is masquerading as a man. Mm -hmm. So a transgendered man that has not had a mastectomy can breastfeed a a child, but breastfeeding is acknowledged as something that a woman does. And so the term that those people, the inclusive term that those people want to be to to have used in their situation is chest feeding. So this is a person who is the secretary of health for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania who thinks that a man can breastfeed a child. Like why on earth is anyone even listening to anything that comes out of this guy's mouth? Come Lord Jesus. Come it's like, Lord Jesus. Oh my gosh. I mean, if it wasn't so grave, it would be funny. It's like a a parody. Unbelievable. Yeah. So here we are. Not not only that, but he's given given hyper credibility because everybody's trying to virtue signal how woke they are by by calling him by a female um, (laughs) drag name and and, and using the pronouns she and her and... And trying to demonstrate, so oh, we ha- we doubly have to do whatever he says, whatever the drag queen says, to to show what awesome virtuous people we are. That's uh, exactly right. Oh, c- exactly come right. on, Jesus! I, I, I see it so clearly. Oh, I see man. it so clearly, and I wish more people did. Um, which is, you know, a prayer intention. We need to pray that the scales will fall mm-hmm. from the eyes of those who don't see this. It is so gravely evil. St. Paul, St. Paul, pray for us all. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, um, I've hit my bullet points. What else do you have? What other rants do you want to make? Well, uh, in my stack of stuff, Mm, I mm. have, is that, is that a Rush Limbaugh thing? Stack of stuff. Um, I've got a study here. I have, as I mentioned, numerous studies, but there's one here that did look at, um, This was actually done by the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, so NIOSH. And they looked at um, the filtering performance of clothing materials. So 
you guys that are fashion going fabric. Yeah. Fashion yeah fabric. So, so you Walmartians <laughs> that are wearing your, your bandanas and your t-shirts. Um, I just want to throw these statistics out because again, we need to arm people with actual facts and tools that they can use as red pills. Um, so this study determined that, uh, T-shirts have a 10% efficiency, scarves, 10 to 20%, a cloth mask, 10 to 30%, and a sweatshirt, 20 to 40%, and a towel, 40%. But all, and that, that is for a large particle of one micron, all of them had a near zero efficiency in filtering out particles of 0.3 microns or smaller. Oh, again, of course. Yeah, yeah. Coronavirus, 0.12. So as traditional Catholics, we do not believe in unicorns. And this this is, this is I mean, yeah, it's not working. Oh, Put the you, mask, take the mask off. Take you, it off. <laughs> going back to um, the, little, the little normal surgical Kleenex mask, you have a story about sneezing, oh, don't yes. you? Yeah. Yes, I do. So um, it's a little gross. Indulge me for a second. I was sitting in the operating room just a few weeks ago, and I did not have an N95 one. I had the little Kleenex paper surgical mask, um, and I felt a sneeze coming on. And I reflexively put my hand to my face. I didn't put my hand on my face. My hand wasn't touching uh, was not touching my mask at all. It was just placed lightly in front of my face. And I sneezed. My hand was wet. Ew. <laughs> wet. I know, right? Gross. <laughs> so a week later, um, I was at a different hospital in a different operating room. And I felt a sneeze coming on. And I thought, I wonder if I could duplicate my randomized controlled <laughs> trial here. I, so I felt the sneeze coming on. I, I did it again. And again, my hand was wet. So, um, Ew. so much for, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so much for filtering particles, <laughs> droplets. Shut up, hater. Uh, Believe know. in the magic. Believe you can fly. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I mean, I gotta gotta speak the truth. Yeah. Gotta speak truth is it may be for some people's narrative we got to speak the truth well this is we've we've hit a bunch of we've covered a lot of ground here um you you have a big stack um and we've got time we aren't even at an hour yet so what else you got in your little stack of goodness there <laughs> well uh i've got hmm let's see how about this idea of the asymptomatic spreader? Oh, yes. That's why okay. we, we, we are all granny killers and narcissist psychopaths. If, right. we even, if we even want to go to mass, we're narcissist psychopaths. <laughs> so the World Health Organization did release a statement in June that within days they, they were forced to walk it back. But basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, basically it said something like, they do not believe that the asymptomatic spreader is even a thing. Um, and there is a study here I have um, in my literature review looking at three different studies, I'm sorry, two different studies of using a mask um, on a, an, infect, an infected subject to reduce 
the impact of secondary disease transmission. Both of these studies said that doesn't happen. Zero Fake efficacy. Fake news. Yeah. Fake news. <laughs> um, so again, you know, we can debunk this mask thing all day long, mm -hmm. but as, as a society, I, I, we have to stand up to this. We have to stand up to this. And now we have to do it now because the every day that it goes, it's just more people are going to die in the war that's going to be required to fix this. So correct. It's, it won't be a mask pretty soon. It will be a vaccine. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want that to happen, then you've got to, you have to stand up now. I don't go to Novosordo parish, but I interact with people that do. And I'm appalled at what is happening in my own diocese. Um, churches that are not allowing people to enter until they've had their temperature checked until they've got a mask on their face and they, and they have to have their temperature checked in order to enter the church and go to mass. Oh, I could go on quite a rant at this point. Namely, I can't imagine why an institution that has been heavily infiltrated by active sodomite men, many of them um, middle age or above, could possibly, possibly be afraid of a common seasonal chest cold or influenza. Well, I, I just, I can't imagine. Common seasonal chest cold is the key phrase there because Again, when you look at the hoops that people are being made to jump through just to go to mass in the context of this isn't that big of a deal, no. it becomes even more apparent that this is demonic in origin. Yes. Oh, no question at all. And what they're already laying the foundation for and what Fauci is already talking about, that this is never going to end, guys. And if you think that you know, that that COVID-19 is going to run its course and then everybody's going to say, "Woo, OK, that's over with. No, they're laying the foundation that every cold and flu season is going to be made into this. And let let me hasten to remind everyone, we are basically right now seven weeks away from the beginning of the next cold and flu season at the end of September, the beginning of October. And so they're going they're going to start hyping the same shit exactly the same way no matter what it is this is never going to end this was just this was Bill Gates just getting it going and now the intention is that what well, they keep saying new normal that, that that tells you right there they have no intention of stopping this I was just going to say that when you're hearing phraseology like the new normal ding 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 it's not going anywhere, guys. It's going to escalate. Every, everything's changing. Everything's different now. They're telling you explicitly what the intention is. And I just posted yesterday, um, I get a lot of questions from people and they're asking, well, if they try this crap again, how can they possibly stop 350 million people from just telling them to off and everybody just going to work? How, how can they possibly control people like that? The answer is extraordinarily simple. They're going to start cutting the utilities. Yes. We're already yeah. seeing that in Los Angeles. Yeah, they've sure, started in LA. Yep. I'm sure churches, churches will be on that list. Oh yeah. Churches will absolutely be on that list. At the top of so, that list. Yes. Yeah. You have mentioned someone asking you about mass, you know, driving us underground. I don't see how it isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the churches are going to have the utilities cut. They will then be locked. And then we will be 
in a situation where you only hear mass exactly as it says, as prophesied in scripture and in uh, and in private and in private prophecies, that at the end it's all going to go underground. And I mean, you can see this coming like a freight train coming across western Kansas. You can see it coming 50 miles away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's obvious what's going on, and people just living in la-la land and um you know there i've been talking to some restaurateurs and and people like that and saying you know what what are you going to do what's the situation what's your financial situation every single one of them says we barely survived this first lockdown that we just came through if they attempt to lock down again we're finished and not just us almost every restaurant will be finished. Almost every um, shop, private business will be finished. And you say, what? there's no possible way that these people can, can actively want to completely, completely destroy an economy. Completely destroy an economy. Yeah, I actually yeah, I think, think that they do. And the reason, one of the reasons why is um, economic, and I need to repost this essay, they have run up so much debt. I mean, and I'm even before any of this crap happened when, you know, Trump was spending a trillion a week mm-hmm. um, during during the lockdown. Even before that, the debt situation is so bad. The only way that they can control and keep hyperinflation from happening is to shut down the economy. Because one a thing a thing that one of the components of inflation is velocity. That means how quickly people are turning over dollars. If you shut down the economy, you basically kill monetary velocity, which means that hyperinflation won't happen because people literally won't be able to spend any money. And this goes part and parcel with the mark of the beast and tying the ability to do any buying and selling or banking to proof of their sterilization drug. I mean, (laughs) vaccine. (laughs) And I think think that's coming to light too. I think more people are wising up. You know, Bill Gates goes on TV and gives these interviews and he is unable to say anything intelligent at all about virology, about anything he he has no clue it's it's clear that he's just deflecting with complete bs that he has no idea what he's talking about now in theory this guy has dedicated um the last 15 years or so to this all of this vaccination virology etc etc why is he unable to say even even the slightest intelligent interesting thing when he goes on the today show or when he goes on the national news the reason why is because bill gates doesn't give a shit about virology or human health the bill and melinda gates foundation their entire objective is human population reduction correct they want to go from eight billion to under one billion how do you people are yeah they're committed ideologues. Mm-hmm. That is their ideology. They truly want a reduction in, and that's why they've targeted Africa yeah. uh, with their, with their vaccination programs because of the fertility rate there. Yep. 
Three million women in Kenya were sterilized by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation said, oopsie, there, there was a mistake at the lab. And apparently some sterilant got into, the, got into that batch. Oopsie, bullshit. That, that is all 100% intentional. And if you think about it, if your agenda is to wipe out seven-eighths of the surface human population, how, how do you even begin to do that? You can't kill. You cannot kill that many people. It's not possible to murder that many people. The only way you can do that is through mass sterilization. And the only way that you can mass sterilize is by tricking and coercing people under the guise of a vaccine. I mean, this is, this is glaringly obvious, and that is their agenda. They don't care about health, virology, nothing. That's all a means to their end of, of culling the herd and then turning um, human reproduction into something that is, is basically eugenics for the elite. Did you send me something about uh, a, synth- a synthetic womb? That they're working hard yeah. on synthetic wombs. Yeah. I believe, let me open up the uh, website. I believe that that is in, I don't know if it's made it actually to clinical trial yet, but it's, it. they're close at the um, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's called a bio bag. Um, and they are, uh, working to they're they're sugarcoating it i think by saying you know women who have preterm labor and deliver babies that are profoundly premature outside of the um the range of viability they're able to resuscitate these neonates and put them in this bio bag where they can sustain them and let them grow until they're old enough or more viable to live on the outside um so that's the sugar-coated version. I look at that and I see something very nefarious. Um, pretty sure that I don't wear a tinfoil hat, um, but I don't know. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like the whole idea of the tinfoil mantilla or the tinfoil yeah. chapel veil. I think I think we need to we need to market that. Market that. That's that's an easy billion right there. Well, not a billion. There aren't enough enough uh, enough trads for that, but it, it might be it might be in the low seven figures. Um, I, I absolutely agree. And you know, Gates was buddy buddy with Epstein, and I think a lot of people are not aware of the fact that that was that was Epstein's jam was or still is, if he's still alive, he might still be alive, um, yeah. um, that Epstein's jam was eugenics and that he had a ranch, a super creepy compound out in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. And really? his whole deal was he wanted to find 114, 15 year old girls that he deemed genetically superior he was a psycho and he believed himself to be some super genetic specimen which i don't uh, i don't mean to be crude but from what i've read about the guy and his physical anatomy he was like deformed in a in an embarrassing you know? way for a man you know i was like yeah you're you're the key genetic specimen but he thought that he was so brilliant and his iq was so high his plan was he wanted to have a compound of 114 and 15 year old genetically superior blonde-haired blue-eyed girls which he would inseminate and he was going to reseed the human population with with this genetically superior race with him as the effective atom of this race 
and he's 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 running with Bill Gates. That's why Gates was talking to him. Um, probably. Talk I don't about satanic. Yeah. Ugh. God help us. Uh, yeah. C- come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Just yeah. it's okay. We're we're ready. This is well, you. He's given. <laughs> he's given us. He's given us so much time. That's the thing. He has. He really, really has. So much patience, so much time, so much opportunity. Okay, we've gone through this lockdown. I don't know if it's the same where you are, but where I am, you know, the girls are all out in their in booty shorts that I'm not kidding you, Sunset Boulevard hookers 20 years ago wouldn't be t- caught dead in. I, no. It's oh, just... No. It's no, nobody has learned anything. The sodomites yeah. are out manifesting. Um, well, I think, I mean, were the gay pride marches even canceled? Were the gay pride marches even canceled with the lockdown? I mean, I where I'm at, I, they still happened. Yeah, I, probably not. It's just, ugh, it's unbelievable. And it's the good news is there's some good things. I mean, trad parishes are reporting that their attendance is way up that refugees are coming and you know praise god that's wonderful and people are rediscovering you know the roman right and and true catholic teaching and and all that that's good there's there's quite a few we could make a list of quite a few good things that are coming out of this hollywood is going down in flames disney is going down in flames professional sports ball of all flavors (laughs) is going down in flames praise god um what else? Public, oh, homeschooling? School. Yeah, the public school, the public education paradigm. I mean, people that I encounter are livid with the teachers unions and their refusal to return to the classroom and their um, manifesto, their online manifestos of, of their demands in order to return to the, the classroom. These are communists. They're, they're talking about income equality, health care for all, single about- what does that have to do with returning to the classroom? So we are witnessing, I believe, the collapse of the public education paradigm, and it's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Yay! You you have um you have an indeterminate number of tinies, do you not? And you're kind of <laughs> you're kind of preparing for what's going to go down, and yes. I I think it's great. I think it's great. Yep. I think it is fantastic. There, so in every dark cloud, we need to look for the silver lining, you know, God's hand and the blessings in disguise. And there, there's a few that can be found with this COVID situation. And I think you pointed that out. Yeah. And reiterating about, you know, if this, we're talking about our Lord coming in glory or the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, however it plays out, that doesn't mean that we sit down and say, all right, I'm done. I'm just going to wait for that to happen. No, 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 no. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. At, you know, live your life assuming that you're going to live to be 100 years old and that your kids are going to live to be 100 years old. And we, we got we to gotta keep going and we have to educate the little people and we have to, um, I'm not going to use the term new normal, but we have to keep living. We got to keep going. You cannot stop and say, okay, I'm absolutely certain that, you know, our Lord will return within five years. And so I'm just not even going to bother. Oh no, 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 no. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and be prepared like it, you know, the gospel reading of the, the wise and foolish virgins, you know, Keep it, keep your oil lamps filled. I love that gospel reading so much because the foolish version, virgins, their um, their lamps are empty. They don't have any oil, and they go to the wise virgins and they say, "Hey, hey, hook us up. Give us some of your oil." 
And the wise versions are like, um, no, because then we wouldn't have any for ourselves. Y'all need to go to the store and buy your own. It's right there in the Gospels. This is our Lord. These are our Lord's words. I love how the how the wise versions are just like, um, yeah, no, no. I, this I provided for myself. I pre-prepared y'all need to go out to the shops and you need to take care of your business yourself. And it's, it's really, it's encouraging. Obviously there's fraternal charity and we help others as much as we can. But at the same time in that gospel reading, it makes very clear that, um, you're not expected to, um, basically commit suicide trying to help these Karens who refuse to see anything when that when they when the time comes and they come to you screaming and yelling and oh my uh, hey man you you destroyed you destroyed our civilization you destroyed our economy um you've been trying to destroy our lives you've been the one doing this cancel culture um we we've got our oil stores and we've been prepared for this um you need to go take care of yourself now and leave us be um so i like that gospel reading (laughs) it's very timely for sure indeed yes for me myself i think um what i've been doing is trying to prepare for suffering and recognizing this is going to get, if we don't stand up and fight this mask mandate and all of this crazy nonsense, it's going to get tougher. And I think um, preparing to suffer, fasting, mm-hmm. reading the Roman martyrology mm-hmm. has been recommended to me twice now in a very short span of time. So I've, I've been trying to do that. Um, and uh, preparation for death, the book, read it. Yeah. Absolutely. Really? I mean, the thing, all the things that we enjoy right now, I mean, I'm not saying go run away and live in the woods quite yet, but I mean, I posted a thing um, yesterday about if they, if they cut off the water, if they start doing that as a coercive measure um, and you don't live next to a water source, you're going to need to go dig a latrine in your backyard. So something, something that we take for granted as much as in, indoor toilets is something that could conceivably go away. Um, and even beyond that, just a normal standard of living. What happens if, um, and I can totally see this happening from my personal experience, um, I got foreclosed on, not because when I, when I was, you know, shifting out of Denver and getting ready to go live in the van down by the river, what kind of brought all of that to a head was the fact that I got foreclosed upon by Wells Fargo. Not only had I never been late with anything ever, but I was, you know, I was overpaying my mortgage. I was paying down principal every week, literally every week. I paid $100 a week um, in principal pay down on all of my mortgages, all my rental property, everything. I'd never been late. They foreclosed upon me because I had, I didn't submit a tax return. Now imagine, is it, is it far-fetched to think that uh, banks are going to start requiring proof of vaccination in order for you to be in compliance on your mortgage. And if you don't provide proof of vaccination that they'll foreclose upon you. Oh, I, th- I think that's not, not only possible. I think it's highly probable that it will eventually come to that. I think so too. I think so too. Yep. So and as good faithful Catholics, this vaccine, I mean, again, another topic for another podcast, mm-hmm. but the involvement of aborted fetal tissue, like yep. we cannot, 
we yeah. cannot be com- compliant with this. Yeah. So make preparations. That's right. And it's, it's going to mean for, for a lot of people, it's going to mean massive changes in lifestyle. And I, I have tremendous um, empathy, sympathy. And, you know, I lost my career. Um, in retrospect, I'm, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me that I'm no longer involved in the financial markets. Don't get me wrong, but I did lose my career um, on ethical I couldn't continue because they're just stealing everybody's money. I look at all of the people, doctors and nurses, who are in the the medical profession, and you know they're writing to me and they're telling me I fully recognize that I am almost certainly going to lose my entire career, and I'm still sitting on how many ten thousand, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in debt a lot of them because they're relatively young and they've just just gotten started and aren't anywhere even remotely close to paying down the the med school debt and oh my gosh I know so many people in that in that situation um I myself I have a fair amount of student loan debt from um graduate school and I I graduated in 2005 the cost of that now, that same education is tremendous. And I, I have uh, young colleagues and students that I mentor who are going to be saddled with six figures in student loan debt. And these people will be muzzled into compliance because they're, they've been, they'll have their backs against the wall because of the financial situation that has been created. Um, and there are a lot of, I know physicians and I know nurses who cannot speak out about this because there is the fear of persecution, of retribution from state boards of medicine, from state boards of nursing against their licensure. That is a very real thing. Oh, very yeah. real thing. Oh, yeah. And um, I, they're getting right now a very hard lesson in the proverb. It's in the book of Proverbs. The debtor is the lender's slave. And it, yes. it's not just, not just in the sense of forced labor, but ideologically now that you have to go along with the Luciferian ideologies of the lender or else you will be canceled. You will be destroyed. And I can, I can empathize with people about taking on that much debt, spending that much time Med school, good grief. I mean, that's a that's an enormous chunk of your life is just med school. And and the notion that you just get going and that you just kind of get rolling and then you literally have to maybe walk away from that and go, I don't even know what a lot of those people would do um, because the economy is so wrecked. I mean, where, where do you go? What, what is your plan B career at this point? You know, at least during the Great Depression, there were guys who would um, lose everything on Wall Street, for example. And because back in, you know, the 1920s, 1930s, men were still men. And they said, I have to provide for my wife and children. 
period. I have to provide for my wife and children. So guys would fail on Wall Street and then they would go west and um, be hired on on FDR's, um, you know, his projects, all of his public works projects. A lot of the guys who built roads during the New Deal and who built the dams and so forth that were built during the New Deal, a lot of those guys were refugees from the East Coast who lost their careers. Now, I mean, do you honestly think that there are are doctors who are going to drop everything and go work on a road crew? Of course not. No, of course not. I mean, they they won't do anything. They'll rather they'll live on the dole. They'll just they'll just throw their hands up and say, um, "Universal income." They'll start agitating oh, for universal income, and that's coming. Yeah, that's coming. Oh yeah, where I live, the agitating for that has has escalated tremendously mm-hmm. in the face of this COVID lockdown. That's coming, and the other thing that's also coming with what I've been hearing is in within the universal basic income, a moratorium on mortgage payments. Don't think if you have your mortgage paid off, you're immune to this because where I live. You may have your mortgage paid off, but you still pay property taxes. Right. So you may own the brick and mortar, but you don't own the land that it's parked on. You're still renting. Yeah, you're just a renter. (laughs) Yeah. You don't comply. You know, where are your papers? Mm -hmm. Uh, They'll they'll take your house anyway. So it's the arm twisting is going to increase and escalate from here. And please be prepared spiritually as well as temporally. Yep. Well said. All right. Well, we're at about an hour and a half. I think this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I and- hope I've given a little bit of clarity onto, uh, you know, Claire, well- <laughs> clarity into um, what a farce, what a farce yeah. is being portrayed here. Well, you've provided some fascinating information. I think a lot of it is going to be new to people. That's what that's what I was really excited about. Is that we're right. not just rehashing over stuff that's already made the rounds. I mean, this is this is some new information. So, well, one point that I failed to make that I want I wanted to bring up. Mm. In doing a little bit of literature review in preparation for this, the thing that I noticed is how politicized even the quote-unquote science has become. And I think Anybody can look at something like climate change and recognize that. But even within medicine now, if you're looking for information on masking, if you're looking for information on viral particles and all of these things that we talked about, you have got to look for things published prior to 2020. Because the current literature, the things that are coming out now, that are being published now, are these mental gymnastics, um, thinly veiled efforts at debunking what was previously settled science. Yep. yep. Um, so be careful your sources, be careful what you're looking for. And some of the things that I have pulled from 2010, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that sort of era, they have a footnote at the beginning of the article with an asterisk that um, this information has been updated in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. So they're really trying hard to... Oh, they're memory-holing it. They're trying to go back and edit it all and memory-hole it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 So, man. This is... The communist playbook just never changes. It's just the same crap over and over again. Just just different setting, different scenery, but it's the it's the same it's the same bag of tricks. Yes. All right. (laughs) Well, dear, 
Dear Nurse Claire, thank you so much for coming. Um, we talked about that we could probably do another episode. Um, we talked about uh, going down the rabbit holes of vaccines in and of themselves. And I know that you could you could give a lot of information about vac- vaccines. But like like we said, I think that's a completely separate episode. So we'll um, we'll put that on the on the to do list. We'll put that on the on the tentative calendar, and we'll see if we can't do this again. But I can't thank you enough for for coming on the old show. I really appreciate it. The the pleasure is all mine, Anne. Wonderful to talk to you. Oh, as always, as always. All right. Well, let's... what, what kind of wrap-up? Oh, Super Nerd. Um, this podcast is produced by Super Nerd Media. Even though he's not on the show, he does all of the back-end production and editing and all that good stuff. And he administers my website. If you received any value from this podcast and you would like to uh, return some value to Super Nerd for his excellent and, and loyal production capacities, his website is supernerdmedia.com and he has um, any sort of donation instructions there my donation button is the orange one that's on the right side of my website and I also have my my cute little books for sale that's back up and running um and god bless all of you guys thank you so much it's it's um it's it's a pleasure to be alive in these days and to be able to be here not just a witness to history but to actually be able a to be a participant and fighting in this and fighting for our lord and fighting for the truth and fighting for holy mother church so thank you all for for your munificence and your support um now more than ever because i know a lot of you are staring down the barrel of intense economic uncertainty. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep fighting as long as we possibly can. Um, Thank you all so much. And we will look forward to seeing you on the next episode. I'm Anne. Thanks guys. God bless. God bless.